Welcome back to episode five of the Scouting Cricket Podcast. Last time um, we spoke with the hosts of the County Cricket Podcast about the, the Big Bash League and the Sri Lankan Premier League. But this time we're a bit closer to home, joined by Scotland international uh, left-arm spinner, Mark Watt. Mark, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. How's it going? Yeah, not bad. Going well. As we record today, we're kind of back into another lockdown, so I suppose a bit of podcasts to kind of take your mind off things and kind of get that sporting fix when you can't really play or do anything much at the moment. Absolutely, absolutely. A bit of podcast to help ease with the, with the outdoor 5Ks. Uh, it could be time to get those back out again, isn't it? <laughs> I know. Hopefully not. But anyways, for yourself, as a, obviously Scottish cricket would have been a strange summer for you uh, this year, kind of, well, what was that like, I suppose, this summer? Obviously no games or anything for the national team, but... Yeah, it's been tough, I'm not going to lie to you, it's been tough. Um, I was chatting with um, Munzee just the other day and we texted each other saying, I can't believe it's all, it's been over a year since we last played a national game. Um, so yeah, it's a bit tough and it's quite tough mentally to, you know, keep going and just uh, keep playing on the days, you know, all the boys are gagging to get the Scotland top back on and so yeah, it's been a long year, but thankfully we did get some cricket in the summer. Um, and kind of made uh, most of it during then. But yeah, it's been a it's been a long year to say the least. Uh, it's been a strange one anyway. It's also frustrating as well being not able to play or play at all. When you saw kind of in New Zealand and Australia, they kind of got their summer in just before everything stopped, and now they're back playing again. So they've basically had two seasons in the we've had none. It just makes you want to jump on a plane and go straight over there, doesn't it? Seeing the crowd and stuff at the test match and um, just living life normally again. It makes it so jealous and can't wait for that to be us again, hopefully by the summertime. I hope so. Um, but where well, you're somewhere, you did obviously play a bit of, was it like 16 over stuff? Um, with Herits and NLC, there's kind of brief games in the uh, regional series which came to halt as well. What was that like? Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was quite exciting to you know to get the to get the games back going. There's a lot of talk throughout the summer, you know, if they're going to be back on, if not, and it was good to finally get you know some sort of a, a cricket season going. Um, yeah, the the I think it was the T16s they called during the midweek. That was a bit strange trying to just whack it as as hard as you can from the get go. Um, but no, we did really well to you know get a get a competitive season in, um, and it was quite nice for me because I was captain for the first season, so it was quite. Um, quite a nice easy way into the captaincy and got to experiment a few things and we had such a good team really so it was it was quite a hard season to get everyone um, you know to be able to bat and bowl and you know it's quite tough when you've got a team full of match winners to get everyone a, sh- a shot so it was quite a good season just to you know get a feel for the captaincy and um, I think we ended up winning every game so they did well in terms of uh, club cricket and then the regional just it just got going with like it was two T20s in a day and then it got cancelled so um, yeah, it was frustrating, but I'm glad we got some sort of cricket out of it, or else it would have been a lot of a longer year, um, more mentally, I think. Yeah, is, is captaincy something that you've, is that kind of your first experience of that, or have you done it kind of previously in your career? Is that something you want to kind of do more going forwards? 
Yeah, I'd definitely be keen to do it more going forward. Um, I've not really captained too much. I've done um, I did Scotland Day quite a few years ago, um, and then this was like my full, my first like kind of season right here. You go, you're a captain. You know, go ahead, and get on with it. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. Some some really nice bits about being yourself wherever you want, blow yourself whenever you want. Um, but it's tough, you know, dropping your mates and um, things like that. So yeah, it comes with um, good, good and bad stuff, but mainly good. Yeah, do you find it at all where, you know, you see it with some players, even the top players when they become captain, that their own personal game kind of has a kind of downward effect. Is that something that you're kind of wary of or something that you can kind of, you've saw it happen to other people, so you can kind of prepare yourself and I suppose try and find a way to not let that happen to you? Yeah, I've not really thought about it too much, to be honest. Um, I think it, it could be it could be the higher level you go up it could uh, take an effect on your on your performance um but myself with club career it's quite easy not easy but um it's quite easy going especially this year because it wasn't as competitive and there's only six teams in the league um so it's quite easy and we had we've got a very good um, a very good team so but yeah definitely the higher up you know the more stress because in associate cricket you know every game is is pretty much a must win game with uh, rankings and funding so yeah, it'll definitely take its toll on um, on maybe some people, but hopefully that doesn't bother me too much. And if one day I did get that chance, it hopefully it doesn't bother me. Okay, just kind of going back to the start of your uh, career, I was reading up and saw you started out at Weath Fab, but it's kind of football that was the main priority when you were younger. Is that was that the case? It, yeah, it was massively. Um, I went to a public school, so it wasn't. Um, you know, cricket wasn't being played there or nobody was really playing cricket. It was all football. So I was massively into football and um, playing for Leith Athletic. And then about the age of like 13, 14, I got really bad Oscar slatters in both my knees. So I had to take a year out of football and um, kind of got back into it. But I wasn't as good and I was on the bench. And then when I started running again, I went and watched my dad play some cricket and just picked up a bat and ball from there and really got into it. Um, and then I kind of got, I got maybe a two, about two or three years of playing both cricket and football. And uh, I was no good at football anymore. So I um, I kind of had a decision to make either football or cricket and then um, jumped for uh, cricket because I thought I'd be a bit better at that. Um, and thankfully, I think I made the right decision. I saw as well, I see you broke through onto the kind of Scotland age grade stuff quite quickly as well because you said there, obviously, you're still young at the time, but then breaking into Scotland squad and you missed out on a holiday with your pal to Spain to be called up, was it, to the Scotland under 19s while you are playing for the 17s as well? Yeah, it's exactly, I think it was the Scotland under 17s trials and um, I did okay, um, played well and then we went away to, I think it was Holland and I performed quite well, the pitches were turning so it suited me um, and then Craig Wright said to my dad, oh, how would Mark like to... Um, go away with the under-19s in this coming summer for the uh, World Cup qualifiers. And my dad was like, oh, yeah, I'm sure you'll love it. I'll, I'll go and ask him. And he came and asked me, and I was like, nah, I'm going on holiday with my mates. <laughs> but then he just kind of said, like, you should really think about it. It's a great opportunity. So kind of took his words of wisdom and and uh, went and played and performed really well. And thankfully, we beat the Irish in the last game. I think I, might have, I got a few wickets in that game and then, uh, solidified a month in Dubai for the Under-19 World Cup, which was such a good experience. 
was there kind of big names that you came up against in the Under-19 World Cup or anyone who's kind of went on to... Yeah, there's some good ones. There's some good ones. I remember everyone was talking about this rapid uh, South African bowler and everyone was like really scared and it was Rabada back then and he was bowling some uh, serious thunderbolts. So he was the talk of the tournament. Um, Kuldeep Yadav, the leggy for India. Ben Duckett in England. Dom Sibley. Um, Mark Graham, the um, South African opener just now. So yeah, it's been some very good names in that tournament and um, hopefully some Scottish boys as well will um, turn their names up in lights and get some more opportunities for Scotland and hopefully kick on. Uh, you said Yadav was the main leg spinner at this tournament. I also saw that you originally started out as a leg spinner as well before changing to off spin. How did, how did that come about? Oh, God, it was, it was dark days. Dark days being left arm leggy. I think I maybe pitched about three and six balls. So um, I just uh, I just got a lot, a lot of turn when I bowled leg spin. And, um, but I just could never really control it. And I bowled leg spin throughout my whole time, like playing for Leith. And then um, I kind of wanted to change clubs. Leith, frankly, weren't the best of clubs. Um, you know, not really great facilities, didn't train too often. So I went to Heriot's. Um, because I knew Stephen Knox from his cricket camps and Knox he just said to me on the third or fourth sessions I think you should start going left on off spin you know spin it away from the bat um, I think you'll get a lot more opportunity bowling left arm spin than left arm leggies um, so I took him up on it and started bowling it it was quite nice but I wasn't getting as much turn um, and yeah I did quite well broke into the first team and then we ended up winning the Scottish Cup final in 2012 I was bowling at Craig Wright that time. Um, so he kind of first caught me uh, at that age and then kind of got me into some uh, Scotland youth uh, youth group systems. And with Weath as well, so you spoke about the facilities, he has that iconic path through the middle of the pitch. Did you ever have any <laughs> kind of incidents with that? Oh, every week, every week. Um, so we kind of got to the stage where we were just stopping for... Uh, women and the elderly and like young kids because you get so many people like teenagers and stuff just going through like literally non-stop so right, right let's just keep playing because can't stop because it takes so long to cross the path as well um so yeah it was <laughs> looking back it's funny times like actually thinking there's a footpath going through mid-wicket slash cover region um but yeah it's good fun I, i'm hoping to get back and play a few games at least um some just some friendly fun stuff and um, yeah, just kind of look back and play a bit more with my dad. Um, it'd be good fun over the next couple of years. I do miss playing at least, especially those tiny short boundaries. It's pretty much on the place I can hit a six. Uh, yeah, it's probably shorter kind of when you're hitting towards the pavilion, I suppose. And then at the other side, you've got your oblivious dog walkers walking through midwicket, as you said as well. So it's, uh, I played there. Exactly. You've got the bowling club as well, just over the uh, pavilion. So all the people, if you head it into the bowling club, they come out and shout at you and scream. So there's always a little um, a little altercation there, pretty much once or twice a week. Uh, it's kind of part and parcel of the culture of Scottish cricket, I suppose. Things like that happening at the, exactly. at the club level. But obviously you've progressed up from club level a lot and made, obviously you've played with Scotland. What's your best experience has been with that? Obviously... I'm sure you've been asked a million times about the England game, because um, obviously that is one of the best. One, yeah. 
what's your kind of best recollections of that day? Oh, just, oh. it's weird looking back because I'm not really good at like remember little things, but people like Cloudy and um, Cross, Matthew Cross and Carl Cloud, they can remember like pretty much everything from it. Um, but I can just remember like it being the last over uh, or second last over in Safi's bowling. I think they only needed like six to win and I just did not want the ball to come to me. I was feeling like short, fine leg. I, I did not want like a wee leg glance to come to me, like bobbling away. Um, but yeah, I remember going quite hard at Johnny Bearstool and we're kind of in battle and um, giving him a bit of chat along with Moeen Ali. I don't know if any of it worked. It might have just been me talking absolute rubbish, but I was trying to get into a bit of a fight because I bowl better when I'm a bit more like aggressive. Um, so yeah, I, I, the main thing I remember from that day was uh, the Moeen Ali wicket. Because I remember they were on, on top. It was him and Plunkett were kind of taking the game away from us. And I just took a minute out and went and spoke to Richie Barrington at mid-wicket. I just said, Richie, I think we're struggling. Should I just toss this one up and see if he latches onto it and uh, might get caught somewhere? And he was like, yeah, go for it. Why not? So I just took the pin out of the grenade and just threw one up. And uh, thankfully, Moe and Ali just, just clothed one. It could have went in Stockbridge Market. It was exactly in a hitter. But um, thankfully, he just clothed it straight to George and he took it comfortably long on and then kind of got us going a bit again. But yeah, that day was just incredible. The way the way we batted was just um, so aggressive and, you know, took the game towards them. And it was just, yeah, it was a day I'll never forget. And a pitch invasion as well for cricket in Scotland. I mean, you'd never really see the likes of it. So, yeah, it's definitely a day I'll remember. Uh, looking back at that, I suppose that Moeen Ali wicket was a bit of a turning point because they were probably on top then and it probably was a shot he didn't necessarily have to play, really. He could have probably just nurdled it down to down the ground for a single but I suppose that's kind yeah of, exactly the gamble didn't pay off but with Bearstow as well that you spoke about he was absolutely flying when they started off and kind of thought that you know he could have chased it himself almost he thought they would have got it but see it was a long game loads of different turning points in it but I think it was a game as well that I think a lot of people in Scotland maybe saw coming I think Scotland is really kind of threatened you know, they've been improving, they'd beaten, was it Sri Lanka before that as well, and they kind of were threatening yeah. on a big scalp. And um, so I suppose it's kind of been a bit of a shame that they've not been given as big a chance to build on it, because I think the team has a lot more to give as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if we had the World Cup after that, uh, it would have been, you know, such a, um, you know, such a boost going into that World Cup after beating England and... Uh, I think we would have done something really special. Uh, definitely we knocked a few high horses off their pegs at the World Cup, but um, unfortunately it's 10-team World Cup and we didn't quite qualify for that. Um, but yeah, I th we just had such a good belief that we were going to do it that day and Kyle, the captain, was just saying, you know, we're going to beat England one day. Kyle and Grant, uh, the coach, was just saying, we're going to beat England one day. Why can't it be today? Why can't it be in front of our home fans? Um, you know, it was a glorious day in Scotland. Why can't it be on that day? So, um, yeah, we just took a lot of positive positivity into that game and just kind of went for it and left nothing behind and thankfully it all paid off. I think Grant Bradburn seemed to have a really good influence on the Scotland team. What was he kind of like to, to work under? And obviously the new coach now, Shane Berger, seemed to kind of kicked on from where he left off, really. So this national team seems to be in a really good place at the moment. 
Yeah, we're definitely in a good place. Um, we've got we've already had the World Cup to look forward to last year, but sadly got cancelled and postponed to this year. So hopefully, um, you know, in maybe a month or two when the lockdowns eases, uh, we can get straight back into training, train really hard for for um, our World Cup in India, which will be tough conditions. Um, but I'm sure Shane will, Shane's going to have something in store for us to make sure that we're all ready and, you know, caught up. Um, and the year that we've missed off so hopefully we get a few nice tours away and get playing some games again because all the boys are just missing them um, missing playing for Scotland massively and you know it's just spending time together on tours and stuff it's been a um, yeah it's been a long time so hopefully uh, in the next couple of months we can all get together and just kind of be as a team again and enjoy each other's company. With the World Cup coming up in India and obviously having other tours away and stuff how much does that kind of affect the way you bowl, how much do you have to adjust lengths? Is it as much as kind of obviously there's a lot of analysis on the TV when like England go abroad to you know the subcontinent and play and they'll maybe play an extra spinner? Do you have to adjust a lot or is it still kind of the same basics that you have to follow? Um, in ODI stuff, I think it would change quite a bit, but in T20, I think it, you're you know you've got formalities that you just go back to. Um, and you don't really need to change an awful lot in T20 on the pitches. Obviously, conditions does change. You'll change up your your pace and length, but um, you've got your you've got your go-to balls, um, which you want to which you want to just not go for runs, um, and you've got your wicket ticket deliveries. So, as long as you have them, I think uh, you don't need to change too much. And I think that's why people might start to go wrong, um, especially in club cricket. You know, you think, oh, I've got a t- uh, T20 game coming up I need to do this I need to bowl back and hand slow balls and to bowl these cutters googlies blah 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 instead of just doing the basics as well um, you know nail your Yorker um, nail your stock ball and then just kind of go from there and change the pace subtly so I think um, you don't really need to kind of panic or uh, worry about it too much until you get over there and you see the conditions and you can kind of gather what you need to do and how you need to bowl really Do you think the game is coming a lot more tactical and have you saw like any sort of changes from a few years ago compared to now and kind of ways you've had to adapt so you bowling yourself and then kind of playing collectively as a team? Uh, yeah, massively. I think, you know, the game is getting ridiculous in the way that people can bat nowadays. Um, you know, they can hit any any ball for six pretty much. So, yeah, you definitely need to be a bit more proactive. Um, and, um yeah, you just need to be a bit more proactive and, you know, kind of keep the bass at bat, guessing with what deliveries you're going to bowl. Um, you know, I'm trying to mix up my bowling as, as much as I can at the moment, bowling 23 yarders, yorkers, you know, leggies, just trying to keep it guessing. Um, so, yeah, definitely to have a few more tricks up your sleeve. I, I definitely think it is becoming more tactical. I think some people are, mm-hmm. like with the commentary and stuff, they're noticing that as well. I was watching a game the other day in the Big Bash where I think it's Adelaide, were batting first and I think Alex Carey was in set and you know how they're doing the new kind of rules in the big bashing is it like a power yeah. surge it seems like an extra power play basically and yeah yeah held off taking it so he kept just nurdling singles for three or four overs and then he lost a couple of wickets he ended up getting like 80 odd but I felt like he cost his team 20 runs and then yeah. they lost the game narrowly so I think it is becoming more and more tactical and with those kind of rules, is that something you'd like to see in Scotland, those types of different rules? Um, or do <laughs> Definitely you not. Like to introduce? Definitely not. Definitely keep the power surges away. I mean, I think I think people 
do lose a lot of wickets during them. Um, it's no doubt, but I think it's just making it even more easier for the batters to get a higher score. And I'd like maybe a few more changes to come in where it suits the bowlers. <laughs> um, but that's me being a bit biased. But um, it's definitely bringing in the money, and you can see people enjoying it a bit more. And um, you know, there's more sixes, there's more fireworks. So if it brings in more money and more excitement and um, to cricket in Scotland, yeah, I'd be for it. But me personally, the one that's let go, uh, letting go of the ball, I don't think I'd be too happy with a power search. <laughs> I true, yeah. Can, it seems to obviously bring more benefit to, to the batting team, I suppose. Oh, definitely. It's a lot more pressure on the ball, when, especially yeah. when there's set batsmen in them. If they're going to take it when they're already set, it just gives them even more of a license to tee off. Oh, massively. Massively. But just talking about the big bash and stuff, obviously you've played in some 2020 cricket down south with both uh, Lancashire and uh, Derbyshire. Back yeah. in 2018, when you were at Lancs, you got to play four uh, T20 blast games. How did you find that experience? Oh, I loved it. I loved playing at um, Old Trafford. It was such a nice ground and such a great atmosphere. Um, also playing the Roses Clash was something unforgettable. Um, just getting abused on the fine leg from all these uh, drunk England fans. So, um, yeah, it was, it was definitely um, something I look back on I'm really proud of. Um, I would have liked to have do, done a bit better at both Derbyshire and Lancashire, like from a personal point of view with the bowling. Uh, but, yeah, I'm definitely keen to get back down south and give it another go and kind of play alongside uh, some big guns. Yeah, because obviously that year at Lancs, she's got to T20 finals day, but you didn't get to play a part in the semi where uh, Lancs lost to Worcester. Was that disappointing to to miss out or did you kind of think that yeah I was mm-hmm. yeah I kind of had a chat with the um with the coach and he said oh I'm really sorry you're going to miss out and I was like yeah no worries and said yeah but you're going to be in for the final because it'll be turning a bit more I was like okay like absolutely buzzing about that and then sadly uh we didn't quite make it um which kind of made it even more more tough to take knowing that it would have been um in a finals day final um which the uh, atmosphere would have been absolutely electric so um but yeah I was, I was buzzing to um you know to be to witness it and be in the change rooms and stuff it was something that I'll, I'll never forget and hopefully um can experience again and do a bit better and kind of get a game again in the finals day I think it would be a great experience. Because obviously at Lanks as well they really have quite a good spin department in the shorter form of the game with Parkinson, Liam Livingston and Stephen Croft chipping as well did you Learn a lot from him yeah. playing in a unit like that. Yeah, definitely. Well, they even had um, had left arm leggy Zahir Khan as well. So he was, so we had, I was kind of third choice spin, um, kind of went parky Zahir. Then myself, if this pitch was massively spinning, they're bringing myself and drop um, Toby Lester. So it was either me or Toby for um, each T20 games. Um, but yeah, the spin department was quality and uh, got on really well with. Um, Parkinson and um, Zahir Khan when he could kind of speak the language a bit but he was a really nice guy um, but all the Lanx boys were really great and um, kind of made me feel very welcome because I was only there for maybe four months for that T20 so kind of was up and down um, just for the T20 stuff which is quite hard because um, you know it's quite hard to make friends and then go back down and come back up so uh, I was chopping and changing a lot but I got on really well with the Lanx boys and um, wished them all the best and hopefully I can Maybe get down there again sometime. Yeah, and then the following year you went to Derbyshire. Um, am I right in saying you played some of the Royal London stuff as well as the T20 with them? 
Yeah, yeah, I played quite a few. Uh, I'm not actually sure how many I've played. I'm very bad for like thinking about more on stats and stuff. Um, but yeah, I would have played a couple of Royal London games. Uh, it was always tough at Derby because it's so small straight when you're bowling spin, so it's quite quite tough to like contain, um, especially when you're playing against really good batters on a on a very flat wicket. Um, but yeah, I enjoy my time at Derby as well. I would love to you know get back down and um, join our county and kind of stay, keep myself in that um, at that level as the you know county cricketer. Because I think there's definitely potential for more Scotland players to go down south. Obviously, George Muncy was one who made the step this year with with Hampshire. Um, you see, like what the kind of Afghanistan players like Mujib and obviously Rashid Khan um, kind of playing those tournaments regularly. Do you think the Scotland players have the potential to kind of play in those types of tournaments, or what can we do to get more players on that kind of global stage? I think it's just exposure. Um, you need kind of more games televised. You need to be seen a bit more. Um, and to be honest, you need to perform to that level. Um, I think one example of if a, more Scottish people should be playing, I think the best player to ever maybe play uh, Rashid Khan was uh, Cloudy's innings in Zimbabwe where he got 116. I think Rashid Khan went for eight and a half and over and Cloudy just kept uh, sweeping him to the boundary for four. So, uh, they've definitely, we've definitely got the skill level to play at that level and take on the world's best. Um, look at the Munsey plays spin, crossy up front against pace. Kyle just whacks everyone. Um, Richie Barrington whacks it. Ollie Hares is whacking it in pro series. So we've definitely got the, um, you know, the the players that can uh, rise to that level. Um, we've got a great battery of them, um, seamers and spinners at the moment. So yeah, I'd definitely like to see some more, um, some more Scots being picked in these T Twenty leagues and. Um, and in county cricket, because we can definitely um, rise to that level. How big a uh, gap do you think it is kind of stepping up to, to county cricket? So, see, you've done it already. Is it that big a jump, or do you, did you find it quite quite easy to settle in and adapt? Or um, I found it quite easy to settle in and adapt. Um, the main thing I found out that it was a lot harder to um, kind of do well as a bowler was the kind of how good the wickets were because um, I was only playing white ball cricket you know the wickets were very flat and um, it's quite hard to work a batsman over when it's coming on so nicely so I think that's the main the main um, the main jump up from associate level cricket to county cricket level I mean the players are quality and associate player in associate level sorry and uh, county so I think the main the main thing for bowlers is how to adapt on such good wickets to such good batters but um I don't feel like there's a. I don't feel like um, any associate player should be worried about you know joining the county th- cricket thinking, oh, am I good enough? I think, especially when I was playing in county twos, a lot of um, a lot of cricket Scotland players could easily play at that level, and um, even the ones that haven't been capped or are coming through the system, they could easily um, impress at the at the county twos level. Do you think like having a obviously Scotland A have played the odd game here and there against. County twos teams, is that something you think we should do more and kind of expose ourselves against those county players more often so that we can kind of prove the point that the players clearly are good enough to make that jump? Yeah, definitely. I think and that's great examples like the Scotland Day stuff when we play against other counties that are twos. Um, it's a great opportunity to kind of showcase your skills and put yourself on a bit of a um, transfer market, really, you know, saying you're a free agent and 
know, if I'm doing well against your twos, why can't um, why can't I come and join you? So, yeah, I think this season was a bit of a bit of a write off with that, just because of how the world is. Um, but I think it's something we'll definitely be trying to do in the future and um, get our players down south and get make them better. Another thing to kind of, I suppose, kind of bridge that gap as well that was supposed to happen, but again, didn't was the Euro T20 Slam that we're going to um, take part. And I think I'm right in saying you were selected for the the Edinburgh squad and that, where it's kind of a mixture of Scottish players, some other associate nations from different countries mixed in with global superstars. I think um, players would have learnt a lot from mm-hmm. that, obviously. Oh, massively, yeah. I think. You know, all the boys are massively excited for that Euro Slam and um, just rubbing shoulders and playing against the world's best and in our backyard. And, um, you know, it would have been such a great experience. But uh, sadly, it didn't happen. And we kind of had to um, dust off our shoulders. And, um, you know, I think we got told we got told that the night before our ODI. So, you know, we had to dust off our shoulders and get straight back out there and kind of just crack on. But, um, yeah, it's a shame it didn't get the go-ahead because it would have been... I'm pretty sure we'd have brought in a lot of uh, view numbers as well and um, put a lot of um, associate players on the platform to be, you know, viewed it for other tournaments and county cricket. So, yeah, it's a bit disappointing, but hopefully um, it's not uh, completely off the cards as well. I think there is a chance of it uh, coming back, so fingers crossed. Hopefully it would come back because it would be good to see that as a fan as well. I think it would attract more people into the game, seeing all the kind of best players from around the world play at the Grange um, obviously just attract more people really which I think is what the sport needs as well to, to kick on obviously we were meant to play New Zealand in the summer as well which would have been good so hope we can get games like that in the future as well um, back at the Grange exactly but, yeah bringing some bringing some superstars across to us and um, get some good games on and get some more fans and uh, get their bums in the seats in the Grange Exactly. So looking forward to the future and that, what is your kind of main ambitions and stuff and what do you want to achieve kind of with the national team and possibly even beyond that? Um, well, my main focus just now is just doing well with Scotland. Um, you know, having a having a good uh, World Cup uh, with Scotland and then, you know, getting through that initial uh, qualifying stage and getting into the main official tournament, that would be something very special. Uh, which we're more than capable to do. We're a great T20 side. Uh, we've got some dangerous players. So that's my main objection for this year with uh, Scotland. Um, looking further down the line, definitely trying to get Scotland to a test nation. Um, I think that's a massive goal for the whole company and all the players have chipped in to um, you know, to try and get us there. Um, so yeah, to, you know, to help Scotland um, get test nation, test nation status sorry um would be something um you know very unique and a bit more selfish uh, i'd like to you know start playing these t20 tournaments across the world i feel like you know i feel like i'm good enough and i can um i can hold my own with some of these players um and um to be settled at a county would be lovely to get myself back down south and um, get a couple of years at a county and just kind of settle in and yeah that'd be that would be my goals pretty much yeah Definitely sounds fair. And what other kind of spinners as well? Another thing I kind of picked up on was um, from one of your former teammates as well, Callum Parkinson. I saw kind of, I think he was asked about kind of comparisons to other spinners and how he looks up to, to other ones and 
think they mentioned obviously Rashid Kantam and how he looks up to him, but he says he doesn't really look up to him because he's like a different type of bowler. Would you say that's fair? And is there anyone you kind of look up to at all or anyone who you think we'd expect you to have comparisons to, but you don't because you think you bowl differently to them, uh, like tactically, if that makes sense? Yeah, yeah, massively. So a good example of that would be uh, myself and Hamza. Um, Hamza Tahir plays in the Scotland side as well. We're both left-arm spinners, but we're both completely different bowlers. Um, he comes a lot more straighter, kind of more traditional up and over, gets a bit more spin, whereas I'm a bit more coming wide, straight and attacking the pads, um, attacking the LBW, trying to bowl fast Yorkers. And so that's a good example of you can be even the exact same bowler left-arm spinner, but you can can be um, completely different to the face. Um, but yeah, I'd agree with that. Callum Parkinson's a really good bowler as well. Um, but yeah, so yeah, massively. I mean, obviously everyone would like to be Rashid Khan and will spin it both ways at pace. But, um, you know, left-arm spinners, I, I'd say I looked up to the most as Vittori and the way he bowled his left-arm spin and kind of took the pace off and wasn't a massive turnout of the ball, but just varied his pace very, like, um, very gently. And then, um, just kept the batter guessing really and yeah so I'd massively agree with what Calm said about that. How many kind of variations and stuff do you think it's important to have because obviously you have to adapt really quickly to, to different situations so how does kind of different situations impact how you actually bowl on the day does things obviously you might have oh. thoughts in your mind ahead of the game of what you're yeah. going to do but then because of the situation you have to change so how important is it that mm-hmm. you need to you know be quick to react oh massively important I think that's why I'm so happy with that Maureen Isle wicket is that I kind of realised the game wasn't going on our favour I took a moment out of the game and went and spoke to someone came up with a game plan and it came off um, so yeah it's just realising you know what you need to do and when to do it there's no point in going at 6 and over when they need 30 to win um, you know you want to you want to be attacking you want to try and get wickets and you want to change the game for your team um, so yeah, just assessing the conditions, you know, you might rock up to a game and it's really dry, you might take the pace off and try and spin it a bit more, you might rock up there and it's flat and it's windy to one side, so you might have to try and bowl a wide Yorker to get out your over, there's loads of different stuff you need to think about, um, if a left-hander's whacking my off-spin, I might have to try bone leg spin and try and spin it away from them, try and get a wicket, so... Um, there's a lot of things to uh, think about with this, like assessing conditions, assessing, assessing what the batter's doing, or um, even the wind. So yeah, there's massive, massive. Then um, I, I miss it all as well. Getting to the ground and looking at the wicket and assessing conditions, I miss that. So again, hopefully we can get back to that soon. How easy is it for you to kind of pick up things within the pitch and conditions for you to? to see what kind of stands out to you most that you think, yeah, the pitch is going to do this, so I'll do that. Is there a kind of go-to mm-hmm. thing that you notice at all? Um, it's not never really a go-to thing. It's mainly if it's starting to grip or if it's not. I think I'll pretty much know after my first over what, how I'm going to bowl. Um, the first over is very much just easing into it. You know, you want to, you want to start with a bit of a bang. Uh, you don't want to just, um, you know, the way all the boundaries in the first, you know, at international level, you have to, start um like you've been bowling for eight nine overs so um yeah you want to be on the mark from ball one and see what the pitch is doing and then you're kind of into your spell right okay it's not spinning this is what i need to do if it's spinning i'm going to take the pace off and try and bowl stumps and try and spin it past them all these different things come into it um 
so yeah, I'd say about a couple balls in, I'll know um, I'll know how I need to bowl. Um, but yeah, that's about it. Yeah, I, and we're kind of the podcast that we're doing focusing on kind of under twenty four players. Um, how kind of important do you see it that the Scotland under nineteens teams obviously doing well at the moment? So how do you see those players progressing through, and is it kind of a close bond between those types of players that? you're kind of egging them on to do well? Yeah, massively. Um, I think we've got a great uh, pathway system at the moment. I think uh, we've got great coaches helping these youngsters coming through. Uh, Gordon Drummond does an unbelievable job with them. He was um, he helped me massively growing up. Um, Cedric English and Toby Bailey as well helping out. So they've got a great um, different vari- uh, variations of coaches there helping them. So I think it's just to do with... Uh, how much they want it and how hard they train, but we've got some very good players coming through. So hopefully we can, um, we'll have a good team in the years to come, especially when some of the older boys might be um, coming to the end. Hopefully we've got players that can come straight into the team and, and um, you know, take off where we left. Uh, definitely. It's, as I said before, national team is in a good place. So just try and finish up on some kind of quick fire questions. So kind of, who's kind of... Love it. Who stands out as kind of the best player that you've played with and also against? Oh, this is a good question. Best player I've played with. Um, I played a one-off game at Lords and I played with Jai Wardner and he was captain. So I think that's the best player I've played with, yeah. And what's the one, other one the best player I've played against yeah, as well? Yeah, against, yeah. Um... Uh, I'll go for I think Joel Root's quite a good one What about kind of I was going to ask you as well about the Scotland game after it obviously but what were the celebrations like after you beat England were you out for days was there anyone who uh, took it too far we're actually quite well behaved do you know Edinburgh well I've been out a few times in Edinburgh but not I don't know it inside out but um we went to Lulu's, which is always quite good on a Sunday on George Street. And um, to be honest, we had to uh, train the next day. Uh, so we had a few beers and just chatted and um, kind of tried to soak it all in. Um, but yeah, it wasn't, I can't, I've not really got any good stories about that night, sadly. But we were quite professional about it. Went to train the next day and then played Pakistan that week. So um, I think we kind of put celebrations off for a while. And then... Um, yeah, but yeah, there wasn't too many good stories. But um, now it was definitely such a good night. Even just sitting with your mates, just reflecting on what you've done, that hadn't really like sunk in. You're still getting all these messages from your phone and Twitter's going mental. So um, it was nice just to like take it all in with your mates. No, no mental stories, sadly. Aye, that's what I was going to say. I just remember that they had those Pakistan games just after it. So maybe if mm-hmm. they weren't there, they could have got a bit more out of hand, possibly. Maybe um, a bit messy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's it kind of like? A- Getting those away games when you're away on tour abroad, what's kind of the atmosphere like then? Is it quite close or what do you manage to get up to then? Is there a lot of kind of drinking culture when you're playing away from home at all? Or? Uh, it's not really massively, no, because we've got um, we've got games in such short period of time. So it's kind of play a game. If you're not playing again the next day, you're recovering for the game the day after. So it's quite, it's quite full on. We'll kind of get there. Um, train for a couple of days and then just kind of prepare for the game. You know, we're not like a 
England or Pakistan or India where they can arrive three weeks before and uh, gear up for games. We kind of arrive a couple of days before the games start and then um, and then you're straight into it. But um, something we do have, we do have um, like roles for each player. So like one player will be in charge of the flag for the whole tour. One person has to help the physio get all his um, beds and stuff up to the hotel and to the ground. One person has to collect all the balls after training. One person's in charge of making the football pitch for the start of training. Um, I'm in charge of the tunes as well because I've got the best tunes. So we've got like little player roles. We've got little player roles uh, for each tour um, and it always changes up, which is nice. quite good. Everyone has their, their own wee jobs to keep them all busy. Um, I was going to ask you as well, what's the, exactly. what would you say is the best innings that you saw in a game that you've played in? I the best things I've ever seen? Yeah. Oh, I think that's quite an easy one. Everyone will think it's Cloudy's 140 against England. But I would say when he got 150 against Afghanistan and he just smashed Rashid, he smashed Nabi, Najib, he whacked them all. So I would say, um, yeah, Calm Cloud against Afghanistan. Um, like how, I wasn't there. I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't there. But um, Kyle Kutzer against uh, Bangladesh at the World Cup as well. When he got 150, was supposed to be unbelievable. So, um, but I'll go for the one that I was at. I'll go Kyle Kyle McLeod against Afghanistan. And they'll finish up on one where you can call someone out if you want. Is there who's who? Just says the biggest sleeping tablet in the Scotland dressing room if there is one. The biggest sleeper. Sweeping tablet, so who's like boring or anyone who's like boring? That? Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right, I'll go for one because on the way to games or like at breakfast, he just puts earphones in and listens to a podcast about NFL. So I'm gonna go for Ali Evans. Only on that only on that, <laughs> only on that um on that basis that on the way to games he's podcast and doesn't talk to anyone. Um and at breakfast as well on game days. It might be like a bit of a ritual, it might calm them down or make the nerves go away or um or I might just not like any of us to chat to, but yeah, I'll go for that one. Sounds fair. Anyways, um don't want to keep you all night, so thanks very much for, for coming on. It's been No worries, mate. Enjoyed that. Enjoyable. Um and obviously all the best for for yeah. your next out on the field. Well, let me know when you're next coming to um, to one of our Scotland games and we can sort something out. Come say hi. And, I yeah. definitely love that. Thanks very much. Thanks again to Mark for taking his time to come on. It was great to get an insight into his upbringing in club cricket, moving on to the county scene and obviously playing on the international stage as well and getting a bit of kind of insight to kind of tactical side of things as well. And thanks everyone for listening. Uh, it's much appreciated. Feel free to interact with us on Twitter and Instagram you can find us at Scouting Cricket and we're hoping to get some more articles up on the website as well so thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time